Hey, good morning, Rock Bible Church. It's good to see you. Remember me? I've been going through withdrawals and uh, recovering and getting things done and um, appreciate uh, Brent covering, I think, five of the last seven weeks and and then getting to hear from Bryce and hear his heart last week. Appreciate that too. Um, but surprise, I'm back. <laughs> I really missed, uh, you guys really missed um, being around the body. I really missed the Sunday morning routine of getting up and having a sermon and preaching and um, to dispel any rumors. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. It's been a rough season and uh, that, some of, a lot of that's personal things going on and moving and whatnot and the family and um, I'm sure that'll come out at times, uh, but if you want to talk about that privately, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, this morning, let's, uh, let's get started with some information. Uh, we have a worship night coming up uh, uh, this next week, um, and worship, you know, dinner is worship too, right? Maybe? I don't know. Six o'clock, we'll do dinner, and then uh, worship at seven, and so uh, you can come for either. You don't have to come to dinner and you can, I guess, leave after dinner if you have something you need to get to. But uh, 24th, come join us and um, we'll start doing some fellowship. So it should be fun. Uh, and then Mexico, uh, we got our two trips where we build and we've got those coming up. Uh, we had a spring break trip coming shortly and we need anybody on the spring break trip to be at our meeting on the 27th. Um, so that we can nail, nail down details and things like that. If you're interested in going still, um, there is some space. Um, we need to jump on it and get going, and you need to get a passport. And, uh, but come talk to me. Um, you can talk to Megan or Brent um, about that as well if you are interested in that. Uh, we're going to have a dinner and an auction on the 19th of March. It's going to be a great time. We had to skip it last year. It was just so anticlimactic. Um, but it's coming back like Return of the Jedi this year. It's going to be awesome. And uh, if you have auction items, uh, whether you're going on the trip or not, uh, bring them in and we'll see what we can raise and help cover the cost of um, what we're going to do for these families. All right. So uh, that's Mexico. And then um, just guys, hope to see you tomorrow night. Monday, we're back on schedule. I hope last Monday you did something for... Uh, Valentine's Day, um, but our Monday night, 7 o'clock, uh, down at uh, Porky's Pizza Palace. Wings and pizza and, and uh, a bunch of guys. We get open uh, into scripture and start looking at uh, some of the guys and how do we rival them? How do we look like them? How do we try to look different than them when they were out of bounds and things like that? So, uh, we're having a great time. We set a record the last time we met, I think 15 guys. So um, if you like a crowd, you're good. If you want a close, intimate space, this is not it. <laughs> but uh, we do have the Wednesday morning. That's a little more close and intimate, 6 a.m. right in here. Um, and we're going to keep going in our men's fraternity curriculum with that. If you have questions, come see me. All right, you ready? We are starting a new book today. Uh, our tradition as a church is we do uh, expositional preaching through passages, and I tend to pick a book of the Bible and do a chapter a week, if the chapters are small enough. 
otherwise we break them up, but we go systematically through the book. And um, Brent kind of did that with the beginning of Revelation in January. We're going to start uh, today the book of Hosea. And uh, I would imagine there's probably many of you who never sat through a teaching on the whole book of Hosea. Um, and we're going to have some fun. It's a little questionable. There's some things in it that are, they're a little bit shady. They border on scary and things like that. Uh, but as we know of every book of the Bible, who's in it? Who's in the book of Hosea? God is, right? And so um, that's what we're going to see. And there might be times where you ask the question, well, where is he? We'll find him. Um, and actually, if you look for him, he'll, he's easy. Amen? Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. All right, Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for all that's going on in the church. Thanks for the season that we've been in, and thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our family. Pray, Lord, that um, you would help us to move forward and continue to be a church that's committed to you. And Lord, I, I thank you that um, you've given us your word that we can do that by following it. And so may this morning be uh, another exercise in seeing what you have to say and who you are. And then, Lord, let it apply to us in, in new and unique ways that are specific to each of us. And uh, we pray that you bless this time through your spirit in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh, Hosea is a little bit of a questionable character, right? He's a good guy, and that's not why we question him, but you're going to find out really fast, okay? I don't want to give it away. I don't want to kill the spoiler, but here we go. Uh, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joaz, king of Israel. Oh, goodness, there's a lot there. Um, rather than give you a big history, I want to cover a couple things. Did we just name four kings? We did. So how long was Hosea around? He was around for a bit, right? There were four different kings in Judah during the... During, uh, Hosea's reign, we'll call it. He's, he's uh, considered a prophet, um, but then all of a sudden, the next phrase says, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joaz, king of Israel. Wait a minute. I thought we just talked about the four kings of Judah. Now we got a king of Israel? What's going on here? Um, actually, this is at the time uh, where uh, we're after uh, King David and Solomon, where the kingdom was united. And let's just say the people up north weren't getting along with the people down south and vice versa. And so 10 of them kind of broke off and started doing their own thing. Uh, sometimes the Bible refers to them as Ephraim or Israel. And those 10 tribes of the 12, they became the northern kingdom. Right? So this is who Jeroboam would be king of, this, these northern tribes. Okay? The southern two tribes, boy, they're outnumbered, right? It's two to ten. Is that fair? Well, they're Judah. And Judah is considered 
the line, the tribe. That's where kings come from. That's the, that's the line of Jesus that he comes out of, the whole thing. And you can only get kings from the tribe of Judah. So what do we just, what do we just pull apart right there? What's the problem now? If you can only get kings from the tribe of Judah, according to God, whoops, What's Israel doing? The ten tribes up north, what are they doing? They have a king, don't they? Any guesses? Is he from Judah? Nope. So is Israel in violation? Absolutely. In fact, most of Scripture, Old Testament, when they refer to these two kingdoms, the north is kind of considered the... mm, They're the stepchilds. They're the ones that are uh, out of line, they're in trouble. They desecrate the high places. Um, they're, they're always getting something wrong. And if they would just follow Judah, they'd be okay. You see, Judah was the preferred. The south was the preferred um, followers of God because they kind of kept to the most important things in Scripture and the Pentateuch and the whole thing. And so, um, you know, two against ten, some would say, oh, that's not fair. And as my dad would say, no, two versus 10 sounds like a fair fight, right? Because the two were the good ones. Um, what we're going to find out is not long after Hosea, the 10 tribes in the north are going to disappear, right? In fact, um, for the longest time, uh, you know, we say the Jews, that phrase, Jewish, that comes from the beginning of that tribe name, Judah. Right? Most of what we have that's remnant from back in those days is what's left over of those two tribes. Um, because the northern kingdom becomes, they start to be referred to as the lost tribes of Israel. Because they kind of go off and we don't really get much of a history from them. Um, some rumors say they headed off east and that there's some people, groups that have very similar uh, laws and ethics to Judaism um, over in some of the Asian areas of the of the world. And it's kind of interesting, you know, where they where they how they get so similar uh, morals and ethics. And anyways, uh, so we have a divided kingdom, and Hosea is around. And um, if we have a divided kingdom, and one kingdom is out of line, who's Hosea probably preaching at? He's preaching at the ones that are out of line. In fact, after the first three chapters, the rest of the book is a lot of poetry. And uh, half of it's good. Who's that about? And half of it's bad. Who's that about? Israel. Okay, we got it? Do you like my flowery mug? Um, so let's keep, uh, let's keep moving because we want to find out um, who is Hosea and what uh, has God come to say through him, right? Because the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Uh, verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. What just happened? Hey, uh, Hosea, go find yourself a wife and find somebody who's really out of line. 
and you're going to marry her and you're going to be committed to her. You're going to be a husband. You're going to be faithful to her. You're going to raise children with her. Yet, is she going to be faithful to you? And what's her track record? That's kind of interesting because there are so many things that can come out of this that we can learn from. Um, this, this woman, she's going to be uh, married to this man. Um, apparently to God, does her past matter? Does she still get to be married? Mm, God does some great things with uh, negating the value of history or your past or mistakes that you've made. Right? What we're going to see is um, the faithfulness of Hosea despite who the wife is or despite what the wife does. Wow, there's a kind of fun example in there. Great news for her. She can make some mistakes and still be okay. We can still work it out. Um, some challenges for Hosea, though. Wait, God, what? I, it sounded like you said, I'm supposed to go marry a prostitute. Is that what you said? Because maybe I misheard you. Um, is it going to take some faith on Hosea's part to walk this journey? Absolutely. Hey, all of a sudden your life doesn't look so bad, does it? So his, Hosea has a choice now, doesn't he? Does Hosea have a choice? We always have a choice. Right now, when you choose against God, it goes poorly. Reference Jonah or many other characters, right? Um, but watch what happens. So he went and took Gomer. Boy, it sure didn't take him long to make that decision. Um, what, what might that tell us about Hosea? Go real basic. We're at a place where we worship God and we choose to follow him. Did he choose to follow? Within one word. So, he went and took Gomer. Did exactly what God said. Folks, that's fascinating. When God asks you to do something, do you do exactly what he tells you to do? And how long does it take you? I don't know if I like this guy, Hosea. I feel a little bad about myself because he's more obedient than I am. He has more faith than I do, I think. You understand in maybe a sarcastic kind of way. But I, I love little phrases like this in the Bible that point us to some deep, universal, time-tested truths. When God says something, you do it. And how fast can you do it? Love that. What took Gomer? Man, I, I was feeling bad for her because she's a prostitute. Now I'm feeling bad for her because of her name. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? I'm Gomer. Okay. Uh, daughter of Diblaim. And she conceived and bore him a son. Wow, now he really did exactly what God said. Take yourself a prostitute and have kids. Within one sentence, a couple clauses, and here comes God back on the scene. Verse 4. And God said to him, call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. 
Ooh. Uh, God says, we're going to teach some lessons. Uh, you're going to name him Jezreel. So, Jezreel? Well, at least it's not Gomer, right? Um, he says, uh, name him Jezreel. Jezreel is a reference back to First, uh, first Kings uh, chapter 21. The valley of Jezreel is where uh, something really bad happened. You know, a, a king and his wife plot against the guy that lives next door because the king wants his land. And the guy says, no, this is my family heritage. And no, you can't have the land. And so he goes home. He pouts a little bit because when guys don't get their way, they pout. And the wife comes home and says, why are you pouting? And the guy next door wouldn't give me the land. So she goes and writes a letter in his name with his seal and sends it out to the leaders and say, hey, um, create some false accusations against the neighbor and then we'll take him out and stone him. And that's what happened. And Elijah shows up on the scene. I know what you did. And the blood of Jezreel in this valley is going to come back and get you. Any guesses on whether this happened in the north or the south? In the north, in Israel. So some believe that this is God coming back to fulfill what he said he was going to do from this thing that happened back in Jezreel. That's why the name Jezreel. Um, it's a great name. In Hebrew, it means uh, God will sow. God will sow. It means God's doing something. He's planting something. Right now it's going to, it's going to grow. It's going to show up. It's going to bear fruit at some point. It's going to blossom or bloom, but know that God did it. And it, it kind of sets this feeling with Hosea. I know it's a rough start with the prostitute and now you got a kid and you're probably, you're wondering, you're obedient, but you're wondering what's going on here. And God gives him this little name for his son. Hey, God will sow. Something's going to happen. Something's growing. Something's on the horizon, right? Uh, she conceived again and bore a daughter. Huh. And the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy. Why is that? For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. Um, lo Ruhama is the name that we get. The Lo meaning no. Um, and mercy, the Ruhama. Uh, he's saying uh, no mercy. Israel's going to get what's coming to them. Now, you missed it. I know you did. So we're going to go back and look at this because this is kind of interesting. Right? What's it say? Uh, she conceived again and bore a daughter. Right? What just changed? And don't say they had a girl instead of a boy. Let's go back another slide, if we could, folks. Back there. Don't you love the tech booth? Like, nothing happens without the tech booth. They're the best. Um, uh, uh, so, up at the top, verse 3. So, we went and took Gomer and the, da the daughter of Dublin, and she conceived and bore a son. Him a son. Bore him a son. Okay, go back to the next slide. Right? And she bore him a daughter? Oh my goodness, we left out a pronoun. 
Apparently pronouns were important back then too. Where's the him? She bore a daughter, but there's no him. What's the implication? She's back to her old ways. Now, do we know that for sure? Maybe not. But then what does God name her? No mercy. How's Hosea feeling when he has a daughter that might not be his? No mercy for you, Hosea. I told you to marry a prostitute, have kids with him, and now with her, and now she's gone off and maybe done this thing with someone else, and now you're going to have... There's no mercy for you right now. Is the mercy coming later? Well, I don't know. Can we go back to the first name, the Lord will so? Because I want to do that rather than no mercy. Right? But what's his point? Um, Israel's out of line. And when you're out of line with me, this is how it goes. And I want you, your wife, your kids to be a living example of this relationship that's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be like Judah. But they're not listening. And how can I get their attention? Uh, Call her name, no mercy. Uh, Verse 7, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah, the south. And I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war, by horses or horsemen. Wait, we're not going to save them with all these things that we normally get saved by? He says, I like Judah so much, I'm going to deliver him, I'm going to protect him, I'm going to take care of him, and you're not going to do it. When it happens, it won't be by the hand of men, or the weapons of men, or the plot of men. When I do it, who's going to get credit? God is. God's going to do it his own way. Um, And it's kind of a reminder, be careful when you take things into your own hands and try to do them yourself, or on your own, or your own idea. Right? That's how Israel got in trouble. And he's saying, uh, Judah has followed. They've been obedient. Right? Um, verse 8. Uh, when she had weaned no mercy, Lu, Lo, Ruhama, she conceived and bore him a son? Or bore a son? Oh. Now we got a streak. A two-child streak, maybe not with him. Um, uh, we believe that things we find in Scripture are significant, even little words. Right? Lord said, uh, call his name, not my people. And here's where you would get the argument, is it his son? You know that whole thing about bore him a son or bore a son? Eh, it's kind of mincing words, Scott. Da-da-da. Well, the problem is, uh, most people who have studied this say, well, why does he name him not my son? Because who's the boy to Hosea? Not his son. That's an implication. And remember, Hebrew is a very artsy language. It's not a scientific language like we, we are in English and some of the stuff we have today. 
Um, so the inference, the picture that it's trying. Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Ouch. Um, yeah, the, that, and I am not your God could also be said, I, I'm not yours. I'm not your God would be one thing. You know, I'm a God, but I'm not your God. Um, I'm not yours. Like what's yours? What you think is yours? You thought you had me. Um, you, you flipped what was supposed to be the focus of this race relationship. You, you switched who was the primary person in the relationship, that being God. And you've been worrying about what's yours rather than who I am. Um, pretty clear message he's sending to Israel, yeah? Poor guy, Hosea. Having to go through this. Or should we say it that way? How about getting to go through this instead of having to go through it? Could this turn out well? I mean, this can't turn out well, can it? Married to a prostitute. He's only got one kid that's his of the three. I mean... Is this going to go well? It's going to go well, folks. How do you know? How do you know it's going to go well? It's a book about God, amen? God's in control. And what do you say about Judah? Hey, Judah's been awesome. I'm going to be awesome to them. We have to remember anytime there's darkness in Scripture, there's brighter light. No matter how bad it gets, there's always something better and stronger on the good side. Yet the number of the children of Israel, verse 10, shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. Wait, I thought we were going to destroy Israel. He says, no, now the number of the children of Israel, like, is that the descendants? He says, I'm not going to wipe out everyone for eternity. I'm just going to mess with this generation. I'm not going to punish the future generation for this generation's problems, right? In fact, um, that looks like blessing, right? Out, outnumber the sand of the sea. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. How long does not my people last? Is it forever? No. It almost kind of begs the question, how long do you want to be in the not my people group? And how fast, how quickly, how much do you want to get into the children of the living God clan? That group. How fast can I run with that pack? Um, great promise, right? Does, does God really want the demise of people? You can't make that argument unless you read a verse or a couple verses out of context and you miss the whole story. That's why we do whole chapters, why we do whole books, because we want to see the whole story rather than just a few pieces. As we see a few pieces, we get scared. We get nervous, afraid. Oh, what's going to happen? This can't go good. I have to marry a prostitute? Ah, you're looking at one piece. 
Oh, she had a kid with somebody else. Yeah, that's one piece. And there's one piece that's always bigger than any of that stuff. Who is he? He's God. And yet we so easily get distracted by one little piece. God says, don't do that because you could be children of the living God. And the children of Judah, all right, now we're going to talk about the south again, verse 11. And the children of Israel, ooh, we're going to talk about the north and Israel with the south shall be gathered, what's that word? Together. What does God want to do with the future lost tribes of Israel? Ephraim, the ones who desecrate the high places, have a horrible track record, have made mistakes in their past, and probably don't even get it right now. What's he want to do with those people? Reunite them. And who does he want to put them with? The ones that know how to follow. Is that a salvation story? Does he want to save the north? Redeem the north? Bring them back? Does he care about them? Absolutely. And they shall appoint for themselves one head. Remember at the beginning? There was two sets of kings. He says, no, we're going to go back to unified and we're going to go back to one head, one leader, probably one king might be what they're referring to. Let's go get a little bit deeper and get a little bit spiritual. Who do you think the one head is supposed to be? God, at least. They don't know Jesus yet. They know of Messiah. They know of prophecy and they know of God. In a book where they mention kings and they use the word kings, why not put king right there if it was going to be a king? They leave out the word king like they leave out the word him earlier. Why? To imply something. Who's the one head? God. Who's the head pastor of Rock Bible Church? God. Nowhere in our literature does it say head anything. Somebody already has that title, right? Well, what do we call you then, Scott? Loudmouth. Knucklehead. Some say lead pastor, right? Um, but we have to remember, and why do we do that with our paperwork of the church? Because we want to remember that thing right there. And by the way, we find this in other places in Scripture, not just here, Yeah. New Testament, Paul's writings, the whole thing. Uh, Jesus even says it. I'm not here to do my will, but his will. Period. Who's in charge? God the Father. And they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Great shall be the day when the Lord sows. Something's going to come out of that. Now, there's historical things about this, that in the valley of Jezreel, God was going to redeem what happened in Israel and bring people back to Judah. Um, but there has to be more to this. Is God going to continue to sow with Hosea? Probably. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're going to see in the chapters to come. 
But the book really is going to become about Israel versus Judah. Compare and contrast. What does it look like when you follow God? And what does it look like when you do your own thing? Um, and then can God save you? Will you let God save you? Will you choose to follow the Savior? Because God and the Savior and Jesus has chosen you despite your track record. Your misgivings. Your holes, your defections, uh, call them whatever you want. Fun little fact. Hosea. What's it sound like? Hosea. Yahshua. Yahshua. Hosea, Joshua. Same word? Not technically. They come from the same word. Hosea and Joshua. Yeah. You know what um, Joshua is? is? In Hebrew, it's Joshua. You know what it, it becomes when you put it into Greek? Come on, Katie. Use your soccer voice. Come on. Jesus. Joshua and Jesus are the same name in two different languages, and Hosea comes from that same word. <gasps> oh my goodness, we just found Jesus in the story. Not technically, but does Hosea play the role of saving and redeeming Gomer and these two kids that aren't his, maybe? And being faithful to God and doing what God wants immediately, obedience, and how fast can I do it? There's a lot of similarities between Hosea and Jesus. Right? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Interesting book, folks. We are going to have some fun in the weeks to come. Um, today, I want to make sure we see a, a couple things, a couple few things. Um, cause I, I was, um, really excited as he started reading, he said, when the Lord came to Hosea, when the Lord spoke to Hosea, when he said to Hosea, when he spoke through Hosea, it's a bunch of phrases like that. And, and I thought to myself, oh, this is about when God speaks. Um, we're going to get a bunch of prophecy of God speaking through Hosea through poetry form chapters four on. Um, some of it might feel redundant. We're going to pick different things out of it each week and we're going to have a good time. But when God speaks, what, what do we take from that? Because um, I, I want God to speak. Anybody with me on that? I want God to speak. I, I believe he's not done yet and he can do some stuff. And I, I'm watching what's going around. I, I don't want to be a part of this if God's not speaking, if he's not here. Because quite frankly, I'm sick of most of it too much in my life lately to go any farther without hearing him speak. All right. So this book, this chapter, this one hurts a little personally for me. Right. And I think one of the first things I want us to see is the first name. When he says Jezreel, it could be about the valley of Jezreel and what happened back in 1 Kings 21, or it could be pointing us to that name and what does it mean? God will so. When God speaks, what does that mean? That means God will so. And do we get the fill in? God, will, God sows, 
right? Shouldn't that say God reaps, God harvests, God grows? That would be talking about the end of the process. And we're so worried, fixated, um, just, in, and we're intoxicated with the end. When's the end going to happen of this thing in my life? When, how are we going to solve this? When's the end, the resolution of this issue? When, how soon can I get to this job? How fast can I get through this thing? And rather than getting excited about what's the beginning of it, when God sows, that's, we sow seeds, right? And then when, when do they, how long does it take? I don't know, how much water did they get? Was there enough sunlight? Did they get trampled and then it, you know, they got kicked into something and it took a little bit longer before they found fertile ground? How long? Don't know. This points, points to source rather than content. Source rather than end game. I, I tell you what, uh, so many of my answers have been wrong so many times in my life. I want my prayers to be now, especially with the things that have been going on lately. God, I have no idea where this is going, but can you just do something? <laughs> can, you, can you get involved? And if you want to show me how, that's fine. If you don't and you want me to figure it out later, that's fine. But can you start something growing? Can you plant something that will come to fruition later? Because I, I just want to believe that something can get started because what's going on right now is not working. God sows, demands us into the future. But it points us to what He starts. I love it. Verse 10, um, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And then, then he says later, he says, um, and I'm going to join Israel and Judah. I'm going to bring them together. What's he sowing? Good stuff. You know, there's a, there's a negative side to this. Will God sow negative things in your life to get your attention so that you can get back on the unity trail? I guarantee it, folks. I, I think I could show it to you in pretty much every book of the Bible. God will cause difficult things on purpose to get your attention, to get you back in the fold, to drag you kicking and screaming, which by the way, that's usually the only way that I go, right? I'm a kicker and screamer. Because he's trying to do something. What if he makes things take a long time so that you have plenty of time to finally get it and jump in line and get with a program rather than just instantly make things happen and do it 100% for you instantly? There's zero process then. And zero time for you to assimilate, figure out what's going on. So one, God shows, uh, two, uh, God shows mercy. Wasn't the second kid's name? No mercy, lo ruhama. No mercy. 
And yet, it was a statement about the current condition. Long term, what does God say? I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to make them outnumber sand. That's, that's a crazy statement. That's got to be merciful. I'm going to bring them together. I'm going to be their head again. God shows mercy. Uh, whatever he starts, which direction is he taking it? When he sows something, where's it headed? Mercy. It's headed toward good. Have you ever gone on a trip and the destination was horrible and you knew it and you said, I'm going anyways? We never take trips like that. If you go on a trip, you figure out a destination and you pick it because it's going to be what? It's going to be awesome. There's a beach there or there's mountains to climb or there's some activity where I'm going to ski or boat or we pick destinations that are awesome. Amen. Okay. Have you ever had to drive any windy roads in order to get to that destination that was awesome? Yeah, you ever barf on the side of the road trying to get there? You turn around and go home. Oh, I had to barf. This is a bad idea. I guess I got to go home. No, what do you do? You drive a little farther, barf again. If you're like me, then you drive a little farther, get some more food, keep driving, barf again. Right? Because the, the point, folks, is getting to the destination. The travel might be rough. Someone might hurt your feelings. Someone might post about you. Someone might decide not to spend time with you anymore or, or whatever. Who cares? Get over it. Grow some thick skin, rub some dirt on it, and get moving. Why? Because God's doing something, and the trajectory is amazing. Get there. And then maybe figure out how to be nice to people along the way. You might take some wines out of the road. Right? And you'll barf less. Right? Um, God shows mercy, uh, number two. So God sows, God shows mercy. And then lastly, God, God gathers children of the living God. Those last two verses, folks, are what the book's about. Does he love Israel? Does he love Judah? Does he love Hosea? Gomer? Does he love Lo Ruhamah? Or Jezreel? Does he love not my people? Does he love you? God's desire is to gather people to him. Not to a religion, not to RBC, not the ones that fit. Is there any qualifying statement about children there? It's just children. He wants to gather people. Whoever will get with the system, he wants to gather and then he wants to show them that he's living. Not done yet. Stuff to accomplish. How about the windy road could actually be kind of fun? Instead of complaining and getting nauseous, you're getting to see a view. Or you're getting to spend time with the people you're driving with. Or you're listening to a podcast and learning something. God wants to live 
and have you live as well. Our job is to make sure we go south. Right, you know that phrase, uh, oh, that's headed south. Oh, it just, it was going well for a while and then it just went south. I, it must be not a Hebrew phrase because like, if you went south, you end up in Judah. That's a good thing, right? So from now on, we're changing the phrase. Going south is a good thing. If you head north, eh, you're to be lost. We got to start doing that. Hosea does it. It turns out really well for him. In fact, um, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little dark next chapter, but it's going to get better. Amen? God speaking to you? What's he saying? Where does he want to take you? Uh, are you talking to him? Questions do you have? Emissions you want to make? Feelings you want to express? Have you ever talked to him? If you've never started a relationship with God, you're out. There's one direction that heads. And he offers you everything the other direction that if you would come to him, You see, there's a part of this story that I want us to remember. A woman who wanted to be with lots of men at some point says, mm, I'll marry him. She made a decision to go to Hosea and accept it. And that's us, folks. We have to make a decision to turn toward God, to turn toward Jesus. To accept the, the idea that there's something bigger going on than just us. That we make mistakes. We do things that are selfish. God calls it sinful. And that Christ came, Jesus came to say, eh, there's a better way. There's a design. You can do it. I'll help. And let me prove it. I'm going to solve sin. Bam. I'm going to solve death. Bam. And I'm going to give you a choice. Come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who asks will come in and dine with me. He wants a relationship with you. Sometimes we call it born again because of a passage in scripture. But when you accept Christ and say, I want to follow him, that's what it's about, folks. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this reminder. Thank you for showing us the gospel in the Old Testament in a different way, totally different story with different people. Pray, Lord, that that would point us to the idea that we can be part of the gospel story. We're different people and different story, and yet you're the same. I thank you, Lord, that this book is about you. And then you let it be about us. May we see that. May you be our one head. And then if anyone has never made that decision and wants to make that decision today, Lord, I pray you, you would bless them. Give them the strength and determination to choose that, to pray that.
And if that's you, uh, come talk to me after service. Let us help. We thank you, Lord, for the offering we're about to receive. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. May he gather you to life and be your one head. Amen? Go with him.